Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different regions, the different styles, the different grape varieties, and the history and culture associated with wine. In the first few episodes of this podcast, we've been focusing on French wine regions, starting with the Loire Valley, going across the Chablis, and then travelling down to the Rhône, the northern and then the southern Rhône. And this is because of the importance of regionality, as discussed in the Terroir episode. Well, how a wine tastes depends so much on where the wine comes from. The climate, the vineyard, the soil, the weather in that year, the winemaking technique, and also um, the history and culture of that region. But of course, also important to the um, style of a wine, the quality of the wine, is the grape variety, or grape varieties, from which the wine is made. So we're going to intersperse the episodes on, on wine regions by looking at different grape varieties from time to time. And we're going to start by looking at Pinot Noir, one of the most famous grape varieties in the world, and one that's strongly associated with quality. However, it is a difficult grape to grow, despite it being grown all around the world. And it's testament to the quality of Pinot Noir that so many winemakers are determined to make wine from it, despite some of the issues. And we'll look at those issues in a minute, but let's first look at the history of Pinot Noir, which has been planted in, the Burgundy, in Burgundy since the Middle Ages, several hundred years, if not a thousand years. And, and we have a definite reference to it in 1395, when Philip the Bold, the Duke of Burgundy at the time, prefer, uh, publicly preferred it to Gamay, issuing an edict that um, Pinot Noir could only be planted in the Burgundy region and not Gamay. And there he is referring to the, the Cote d'Or in particular, where, where Pinot Noir is the only black grape planted there now. Um, its importance, its historical importance, is also seen in the fact that it's the parent grape of Chardonnay, Alligotte and Gamay. In those three instances, it formed a natural crossing with Gouet Blanc, quite an obscure grape now that you will never actually see uh, made into wine. But Pinot Noir and Gouet Blanc really liked each other and produced those three different grape varieties. Also, Pinot Noir is the original Pinot of the Pinot family, and over time it mutated into Pinot Gris with its uh, pink skins and Pinot Blanc with its white skins, and also Meunier, also called Pinot Meunier, one of the three important grapes of the Champagne region. So Pinot Noir is quite a promiscuous grape, producing these different grape varieties which are important in different parts of uh, northeast France and central France, and also grown elsewhere in the world. But it's not just promiscuous with other varieties, but also in producing different versions of itself. And there are now up to 50 clones of Pinot Noir grown and planted around the world, including in Burgundy itself. And we've talked about terroir in Burgundy, how it's all about the vineyard, the different vineyards in the different villages, producing different styles of wine from either Pinot Noir or Chardonnay. But with Pinot Noir, it's also important which clone or which natural mutation of Pinot Noir has been planted in, in such a vineyard, and that will produce a very different style of Pinot Noir uh, from vineyard to vineyard, as much because of the clone of the grape variety as for the terroir itself. And this is true of Pinot Noir all over the world. Winemakers are very particular about which clone they use, or which blend of different clones they will use. So Pinot Noir, a wine from Pinot Noir, is almost always 100% Pinot Noir, a single varietal wine, but it's also often a blend of different clones of Pinot Noir. So there's kind of subtle process of blending which you may not see on the label, but which will be felt in the wine. And clones are very important also because of the difficulties of growing Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir in general prefers a cooler climate. In warmer climates, 
it's overripe jammy and the aromas are simple because it ripens too quickly so you just don't get the same complexity which you're looking for a high quality grape variety such as Pinot Noir. But there are issues with the cool climate, as you can imagine. It's a long growing season, and getting the grapes fully ripe can be difficult. And this is one of the reasons that Burgundy has such a vintage variation. The amount of Pinot Noir grown can vary from vintage to vintage, and the quality of the Pinot Noir uh, produced can vary from vintage to vintage. So that's an issue. Also, it's an early budding grape, which means it can have an issue with spring frost because of that cool climate. And also a problem with couleur, which is when the fruits fail to get, uh, turn into berries, and that can happen in a cool climate. So that's another issue. And then it has an issue with disease. It's prone to mildew and rot because Pinot Noir has thin skins. And then also a couple of different viruses, fan leaf and leaf roll. So there's a lot of issues with Pinot Noir. And, this, and again, as I said, this is why clonal selection is so important. Really picking the or selecting the clone which is best suited to the vineyard and the climate and the growing conditions of that particular place in order to um, make growing Pinot Noir as successful as possible. So what does Pinot Noir taste like? Why is it worth all this effort? Well it has thin skins as mentioned and this uh, results in pale coloured wines with low to medium tannins. And the tannins in Pinot Noir can be a little more, a little firmer and a little stronger than its reputation as being a low tannin wine would suggest. So the tannins do give the wine great structure, but nevertheless they're nothing like a, the tannins that you get in Cabernet Sauvignon, where you have that really drying, chewy mouth sensation. The tannins here are softer. The fruit aromas mainly red, but you can get some black fruit aromas too, again depending on the clone that's being used. And then very flor floral and perfumed. Um, it can the taste can also depend on oak. That's, this is all about the winemaker now rather than what happens in the vineyard. And some winemakers will use lots of new oak with Pinot Noir, which I think can overwhelm the delicate aromas of the grape variety. But a little bit of new oak for um, a high quality Pinot Noir is certainly worthwhile, adding a bit of tannic structure as well as some spice to the wine. And I would suggest 20 to 30% new oak is the ideal amount, but some go um, beyond that. And Pinot Noir can be closed when it's young, so it is a very age-worthy wine, again, especially the best examples, because it gradually opens up with time and really um, expresses itself, whereas when it's young it feels quite closed and you're searching for the fruit aromas which aren't quite there. And certainly the taste and the style of Pinot Noir is strongly associate, associated with place. Uh, Pinot Noir is perhaps the most terroir-driven of grapes, though some of, would argue for other grape varieties like Nebbiolo. But Pinot Noir, because it's grown all around the world, you get these subtly different styles of Pinot, all reflecting exactly where the grapes were grown. And that really is the appeal of Pinot Noir to winemakers and drinkers alike. So where is Pinot Noir grown, and how do the different um, wines taste? So Burgundy is the obvious one, because this is where Pinot Noir comes from. And we've discussed Burgundy in previous episodes, so I won't go into that into too much detail. But this is where Pinot Noir and Terroir are perhaps most historically associated. But north of Burgundy, we have Champagne. And Pinot Noir um, has, gives the wines its body and weight and structure. So very important um, in Champagne. For wines that are going to age, Pinot Noir is just giving the, body, uh, giving the wine its structure, otherwise it can feel a little too thin. If you want to know what um, Pinot Noir on its own in Champagne tastes like, try a Blanc de Noir, which means a white wine from a black grape, 
or two black grapes in the case of Champagne. Or, if you like, try a Coteau Champenoise Pinot Noir, which is a still red wine made from Pinot Noir. And here you have some of the coolest climate uh, Pinot Noir that you're going to taste. Almost a thinness to it, a diluteness, and yet the tannins are quite harsh because of the really cool climate just makes the skins that little bit uh, more astringent. Um, so it's a very difficult grape to um, make a still wine from in Champagne. But historically, it's very important, and there are some very good examples. And I would try the winemaker Jean Vassel if you want to try a, um, a Pinot Noir from Champagne. We'll discuss uh, the sparkling wines of Champagne in a separate episode, but P uh, Pinot Noir is certainly very important there. Another cool climate in um, France is Alsace, into the northeast of France, uh, bordering Germany. Here, Pinot Noirs have traditionally been light to the point of being quite dilute. They're lacking a ripeness to them, lacking a fruitiness to them. So whereas Burgundy has that perfect balance between having really nice fruits to the wine, but without being too thin, Alsace can go towards the thinness. But because of climate change and better vineyard uh, management conditions, um, Alsace is producing better Pinot Noir with a little bit more body, a little more structure, but still pale coloured. And then south of Alsace we have Jura, where the wines are quite like Burgundy. This is the smallest wine region in France. But its wines are very fashionable, and the Pinot Noirs can be a very nice alternative and very good value alternative to Burgundy. Moving away from France, uh, we go into Germany, uh, where the grape is called Spätburgunder. And this is grown in um, various regions in Germany. It's the most planted black grape in the country. And here Pinot Noir, or Spätburgunder, is becoming much more serious. It used to be uh, quite light-bodied, mainly for local consumption. In some cases it would actually turn into a medium sweet wine. Now more oak is being used, and as I mentioned before, it's all about the judicious use of oak. And this is the case in Germany, where the wines now are a bit fuller-bodied, a bit richer, and the oak is adding tannin and structure to the wines. And there's a nice earthiness to the best Spätburgunder from Germany. Um, there are different styles. If we go to the furthest north, there's R, which has a cool climate, so the Pinot Noirs will be much lighter bodied. And as you travel south and you end up in Baden, you have a warmer climate where the Pinot Noirs will be a bit richer and the alcohol will be higher. So different styles. So look at the region to see where the wine comes from. Decide whether you want a cool climate Spätburgunder or a um, warmer climate Spätburgunder. Moving away from Germany, we can go into Italy, where there's a small amount of Pinot Noir grown in the Alto Adige, which in German is called the Sud Tirol. Here, German is still widely spoken. The Alto Adige is um, a cool continental climate with very warm days during the summer, but also cool nights and very cold winters as well. And altitude here is all key, uh, finding that balance between the warm days and the cool conditions that you need for um, Pinot Noir. So because they're planted very high at over a thousand metres, the Pinot Noir grapes still have a, a long growing season despite the hot days. And again, you'll have quite light-bodied red wines. There are some serious age-worthy examples made in this, in this region. Region. Though it's not that common to find them outside of um, Alto Adige, but they're well worth looking out for. So those are the European, main European regions. I haven't covered every single region for Pinot Noir in Europe, but let's look at some of the um, New World examples, so to speak. And so if we go to the USA, this is a, re a country which um, never had a traditional affinity for Pinot Noir, um, because it's it was always considered too warm a climate, particularly in California. But in the 1960s, um, Oregon 
um, had saw Pinot Noir planted for the first time, and within 15 to 20 years had cemented a reputation as produ of, of producing world-class Pinot Noir, and it has continued to build on that reputation ever since. And so the highest quality Pinot Noir is generally associated with Oregon, in particular the Willamette Valley. And this is a region of the world which is seen as most similar to Burgundy in its style, because it has a similar climate. Um, it's quite wet during the summer and, and um, growing season, but generally quite cool as well, though I'd say a little bit warmer than Burgundy. And it produces a similar style with red fruits. I think there's a little bit more richness to the Oregon wines, but that may be because producers use a bit more new oak, which can make the wines feel a bit bigger. Uh, California has emerged as a very good region for Pinot Noir, and that's something that really uh, contradicted ex expectations of California. But producers have sought out the cooler regions of California, particularly um, in the Sonoma Coast and um, the surrounding regions such as Russian River Valley, and then going up towards Mendocino. And this is all about the coastal influence. The nearer the coasts in California, the cooler the conditions are, and Pinot Noir can work very well there. Nevertheless, there'll still be a really rich ripeness to these wines, which should distinguish them from the wines of Burgundy. And then going much further south, you go to the Santa Barbara, around Santa Barbara and the Santa Maria Valley. And again here, the conditions are surprisingly cool, given how close the regions are to Los Angeles. And um, there's also two sub-regions here, Santa Rita Hills and Santa Inez, which, were, which really channel the wind and the fog, which comes in from the ocean. And that really cools the climate down and makes it ideal for Pinot Noir. Again, a bit riper than Burgundy, but there's a real finesse to the best wines from the, um, around this region. And then going to the other side of the world, um, around in Australia, Pinot Noir again is surprisingly emerging as a quality grape variety, particularly in the regions around Melbourne. And Melbourne is the coolest of Australia's cities, and these vineyards are just located in almost like a horseshoe shape around the city, just getting the cool influence of the uh, sea coming in with breezes and a little bit of rain as well. And these wines, fuller bodied again than Burgundy, but again surprisingly delicate. And uh, the wines from Yarra Valley. Mornington Peninsula or Geelong or Macedon Ranges are well worth seeking out because they have a real expression of a very different Australia from the one that we've learnt to uh, grow up with over the last 30-40 years. And then finally we have New Zealand where Pinot Noir is the most uh, planted black grape by far. Uh, several regions in New Zealand are specialised in Pinot, and New Zealand definitely has the coolest climate of all the New World regions, and also more maritime climates. So it's really ideally suited to Pinot Noir. And the best region here, just to focus on one of them, is Central Otago, where the cool continental climate with very warm days but cool nights allow that long growing season and there are some exceptional Pinot Noirs coming from Central Otago which have a really deep colour which distinguishes it from uh, Burgundy for instance because the ozone here is quite thin and the UV rays actually beat down on the grapes and the skins get thicker to protect themselves from the extra sunlight and that produces a deeper colour as well as more tannic wines but still a finesse to these wines while having that extra colour and extra tannic structure. So Pinot Noir hugely varied all around the world, a great variety which fascinates producers and drinkers because it's always so subtly different and it's just a, a great variety which will take you from bottle to bottle, from vineyard to vineyard and from region to region all around the world, which is its fascination. So thank you for listening. I'm Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink. <laughs>